The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Well, we are in Ephesians chapter 3. If you are new, welcome. My name is Ryan and I am your pastor. And this chapter that we are in in the Bible marks a transition. We are in a series called uh, Know Who You Are because in Jesus we have identities that I believe Christians often forget. And in this chapter, we're in a cha- chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 14 through 21, we're actually making the big transition. The first three chapters of Ephesians are all of the high theology, what God has done for us through Jesus, and this is the prayer that's leading us into the very practical how-to Christianity, what Christianity looks like on the ground. And the reason I love this prayer that Paul prays is because it will give us access in a sense of God's power in our lives. I think that if we're all being honest, especially if we're churchgoers, we probably need a little bit more of God in our lives than we currently have. I know for me, at least, sometimes it can feel like God is far away, but I want God to be near. Sometimes it feels like God isn't in control, even though I know he is. Sometimes my heart doesn't believe it. This prayer that Paul is going to pray is so that we can be launched into a life in a way that we can lean on God's power, in a way that we can access God's power, and that's what we're going to look at today. So if you've been going through anything, if you've been going through uh, brokenness in your life, addictions in your life, suffering in your life, and you're saying in your head, I need more of God's power to get through this thing, that's what this prayer will lead you and press us into today. So I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into God's Word. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you would give us letters to encourage the church. Lord, I thank you that you would love us so much despite us, that your one-way love would collide with our lives before we ever were even thinking about you. Lord, I pray today that you would help those of us in here, Lord, I believe it's all of us, that you would help us to understand how to walk in your power how to live in the fullness of who you are. Lord, don't let us settle for a cheap Christian life. Help us to live in the reality of all of your richness and wisdom and kindness. Help us to live as followers who are loving toward neighbors, whether or not they love us. Help us to be empowered to make our way through difficult times. God, open eyes today for those in here who don't yet know you, who don't yet see you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk about this prayer. We're going to, I'm going to read a little, talk a little. Verse 14 is where we're going to start. Now, last week was Paul's tangent. This week is the prayer that will close out this chapter. Paul says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. We're going to stop right there. So here's something that I've often thought, thought about. How many of you guys pay attention to posture? Anyone pay attention to posture? Okay. I know for me, uh, they have all these articles now. I try to be a semi-decent parent, but they have this thing called like screen neck. Have you heard of this? It's kids that do this. And by kids, I mean husbands. And we just walk around like this all day. So half the time at home, when my kids have their tablets, 
um, I just go like this. I walk around and I, I lift up their head. And then I lift up their screen. And then over 20 minutes, it drags down. And I lift up their head and I lift up their screen. Partially because um, being a tall person, so I'm six foot six, my younger son, or my oldest son is probably going to be about my size, and my daughter's going to be about my size. Um, my middle son, he's just going to be average, like six foot, a little shorty. Um, <laughs> but, but with that, I see all these tall guys. And I see when they get to be like just past my age, they start to just, just go over. And, and it's, it's one of these things where I, I know it's happening because not only am I tall, but I'm also half Asian. And this is a thing I see in a lot of uh, Asian, my Asian grandparents, my Asian aunts and uncles who are much older than me. They just start to like want to look to the ground. So I'm posture, you guys, posture. It matters. It changes things. Now, you've probably never thought in your life that you would come to a Sunday gathering and you'd be hearing about posture. But in the very opening of this passage, when Paul wants to pray for us, what's the first thing that he goes into? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, we know those pictures, right? Precious moments. They pray like this by their bed. How many of you pray on your knees by your bed? Don't raise your hand. I'm not, I mean, you can if you want, actually. I don't, I don't mind. I'm not asking to know. But I, I need you to understand that posture matters. God didn't make us beings that are just helium-filled balloons floating through existence. We are both spirit and body. And while I'm not going to go all the way to the Eastern religion, you're not going to see me like I'm doing some video in prayer, like, okay, everyone, downward dog. Now let's say our thanks. We're not doing that. But there's a difference when you pray standing. There's a difference, if you've never done it, if you pray with your hands lifted high. And the Bible says, pray with holy hands lifted up. The Bible talks about praying, bowing your knees to God. The Bible says that when some people encounter God, they lay prostrate before the Lord. And, and some of you, in asking, where is God's connection with me? I want you to begin with the most basic things. I don't want to overlook this stuff and just shoot right for the nosebleed sections of theology. I need you to know that when you kneel before somebody, it makes a difference. Every married woman in here knows this, right? Because if you're on a secret date with your boyfriend and you turn around and he's like this, you start crying before he says anything. Why? Because the posture matters. You know what's happening. You know that there's a change in something. The same should be with our prayer lives. If you think it's weird, just lock the door and try it. Say, I'm just going to give this a try. There will be times in my office where I'll just turn up worship music and just lay. I don't say anything. I just lay. I say, God, I'm yours. You are mine. Thank you for loving me. I love at night, I get down on my knees by my kids' beds. And not only do I kneel by their bed, but they are laying there. Sometimes I have them kneel with me. But usually I kneel down and I kind of like drape my arms over or around them and just pray and hold them. It's very different than when I'm praying with them just if I just stood there. If I walked in and I said, okay, children, it is time to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I love that prayer. But if all I did was that with my kids, that'd be a very different picture of God than, than when I wrap them up and say, I love you. It's time to talk to the guy that made us. And then I whisper the prayer, prayer into their ears. So think about your posture. 
think about kneeling down. Kneeling is a sign of humbling yourself before God. And as we've been talking about at the Band of Brothers on Saturday mornings, uh, one of my favorite prayers has just been resonating in my head. Humble yourself, or, or the prayer is this, God, keep me humble so I don't have to be humbled. Because we've all probably been humbled. And it's not a pleasant experience. It's, it's as an anvil being dropped upon you. So think about your posture when you enter into prayer. And then, verse 15, think about who you're praying to. You're praying to the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So everybody that exists, exists because God. And we have an opportunity to talk to this God. And here's one of the things that Paul is asking on behalf of the Ephesians church. Here's what I've been asking God on behalf of you this week. That according to the riches of His glory, according to God's unlimited resources, according to all that He is and has, I have been praying for you all this week that God may grant to you to be strengthened, that get stronger with power through His Spirit in your inner being. I want you, according to God's infinite riches, to get stronger and empowered in your inner being. Now here's where it gets a little dangerous. And this is for me where I probably get the most uncomfortable because I love the Bible. And there are these different groups and pockets of Christianity And some of them will tell you, God wants you to be wealthy, God wants you to be healthy, and this is what Christianity is all about. Now, I have to give them some credit. In one sense, Christianity is about this, but not in this life. Because Christianity is about being with God forever, and once we die in these wretched bodies, we will be with God, and guess what? We will be there. Healthy, wealthy, strong, I'll be able to jump higher again. After that sermon a few weeks back when I told you guys I wanted to dunk one more time before I died... Some guy met me in the back. He's a little older and wiser. He just said, it's not going to work out. Just just give in to age. I'm not giving in to age. Um, but, But we will get that. But it's not this life. The promise for this life is that we can be connected with God, that we can have the power to persevere through difficult times. And remember, Paul is in prison, and he is praying for other people to have strength. He's saying, God, I want this church to be strengthened. I want you, church family, to be strengthened. Uh, Even this morning, something changed up in our service that you're going to find out a little bit later because I want to give you the ability and the power to walk out and live as God has called you to live in the spirit of your inner being. Now, here's where it gets tricky. We have huge in our bookstores. Sorry, a bookstore is a brick-and-mortar building where they sell these things that are paperback-bound. Okay, Bookstores, I I still like them. I went to Barnes & Noble this week. I love them. I walk around, I smell the books. I go to the Bible section, the Christian section. I cover up all the bad heretical books um, because I'm that guy. And and then I go to the, and I usually do it with the sex book. So like I'll go to the art of photography and get like some really sexy book. I'm like, hey, if I put this in the Bible section, at least they won't get this terrible book about theology. They'll just lust. No, I don't do that. Um, But but I've thought about it because I I need Jesus. Okay, okay. but, but when I go there, the self-help section is huge. Self-help. I mean, this is mega billion-dollar industry. It is, it, it's huge. There's so many books. There's so many speakers. There's so many conferences. You can go to business self-help. You can go to personal self-help. You can go to health self-help. There's all religious self-help. Here's what I need to tell you from the get-go. Do not turn to self-help if you don't have God in you. Because yourself is what got yourself into the mess that yourself is in. 
So it doesn't make sense. If you are the being that's been tracking you down bad choices, I don't think there is any amount of self-help books that will get you out of that. And the irony of self-help books is that you're actually reading a book by someone else, so it's not even self-help. It's someone else helping you. It's the biggest thing in these books. I'm like, self-help, hundreds of authors. Literally not promoting. If it was self-help, it would be all books by Ryan Tyrona. That'd be self-help. Yeah. So here's what I need you to do, though. We need to understand that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have had God come into your life, there is a strength in your inner being, the Bible says. The Spirit of God will come into you. But you're not looking into you to find some hidden wisdom that existed in your own neurons. You're looking into you to access the God who was once outside of you and now dwells within. We're going to keep reading. So get your posture right. Turn to God in you. Verse 17, we're asking for all of this strength. We're asking for all of this empowerment so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, church, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, there's a ton there. So here's why I need you to have strength. So that you can, first off, be filled with God to have faith. You're going to be filled through your faith, and this is going to root you in love. If you are not rooted in love, you are probably not connected to God. First John has some very harsh words for this. Basically, he says, if you don't love your brother, you you don't love God. If you're not loving others, you probably have never experienced the true love of God. We may say it cognitively, but the proof is in the pudding. How you are loving others is a reflection of how you have been or have not been loved. I need you to have strength to love radically. Because in our world, love is becoming more and more of a scarce commodity. It's easy to love those who are like us, who look like us, who shop like us, who live near us. It is far more difficult to love those who are different from us, who vote different from us, who attend different churches from us, who have different beliefs from us. The Bible does not call you to love others just to convert them. The Bible calls you to love others because you are converted. And I think we might be getting this a little backwards. This thing that we're doing, it's not a game to simply make ourselves feel better. Although I feel really good most of the time. It's not just a game and a religious shell moving so that we'll have more peace. Although I have peace a lot of the time. I don't have peace because God sprinkles it on me with mystical fairy dust. I have peace because I press into the way that God said to live, and then life begins flushing out from there. So here's why I want you to have power. Here's why I want you to trust in him, so that your roots will grow down, so that you'll understand how much God loves you. And I love the descriptive words in the ESV. It says that you will know what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of God. I have this fear, and it's lingered for years, that too many people who attend churches 
have such a small view of God's love. A small view of God's love for you. A small view of God's love for others. Because here's why I know this. I see people and we think when somebody gets saved that's a rascal, when someone comes to Jesus that was a train wreck of a human, I've heard it time and time again. I never thought that person would come to Jesus. That means your view of God's love is this big. And I'm guilty of it too. As much as I was that person, there are times when people walk through these doors on Sunday and I go, what? No way. And God's like, would you think my love was a thimble? It's an ocean. But it creeps in. Sometimes we underestimate God's love to work in a situation. We think that we are going to be stuck in maybe a miserable marriage and God must not care about my marriage because my wife is this or my husband is that. So we think this is it. God must not love me that much. And I know we don't say this out loud. This is what our heart is speaking when we are discontent. This is what our heart is saying when we look at our spouse and we don't have thoughts that are, I want to honor and love and serve this person, but rather our thoughts are, I just want to go somewhere and be by myself. I just wish they could go away from me today. This happens with addictions. Some of you are so entrenched in addictions, you think, if God loved me, wouldn't he free me from this? The last uh, few weeks, I've been just pouring over um, really one addiction in, in particular. And, and the only reason I'm sharing it with you is so you can see that I'm wrestling with this. Because I've had multiple friends in the span of my time in ministry, um, just about uh, 20 years now, I've had multiple friends fall to sexual sin. I've seen marriages destroyed by sexual sin. I've seen men and women have their lives crumble from sexual sin. So because of all that's been going on with my friend, I've been praying, I've been reading, I've been devouring books, because not only do I want to guard myself and protect myself, on some level I'm doing it because I want to see God give freedom. I want to see God reach into my friend's life and bring about a type of repentance from what he has gone through or he's going through. I want to see God reach into your life, those of you who are harboring these addictions or these, these broken areas, because it's not just addiction to the pornography. It's not just addiction to, to certain sex-related things. There, there can be brokenness in marriages. There are so many, many, many sexless marriages. And if you don't think that has spiritual implications, you're out of your mind. The Bible says you can fast married people from sex for a short time so that Satan doesn't tempt you. Now, now if that doesn't strike you as weird, think about this. God says in his word, if you're not going to have sex as a married couple, make that window really, really short. Otherwise, Satan, the accuser, the liar, the father of evil will work his way into your life to cause destruction. I use that verse on my wife all the time. I mean, that's not how you should use it, but I'm just saying... If you, never mind. But, so I've been researching this. I've been, I've been writing things. Because if I'm being totally honest, part of me, when I read about the power of God, understanding the fullness of God's love, uh, in pockets of my life, I've been not believing it. I know it, but I've been saying, God, I, can you really love my friend? He did this heinous, heinous thing. Could you really still love him? 
And every time I keep getting this image in my head, Ryan, it's not a thimble, it's an ocean. It's not a thimble, it's an ocean. Who you think is unlovable, I know is lovable because I love them. My God, but do you even want to give them your love? Do you want to be associated with them? That's thimble thoughts of love. There's weak amounts of God's power in me because God's power will ultimately, as this verse says, lead us, root us to understand the massiveness of God's love. It is bigger than you think. I know this because you all are here. Not in the jesting sort of way, but in the way that I don't know that if I knew everything about any of you, I would want to be your friend. And the same is true of me. However, God knows intimately every detail of our hearts and motives, every detail of our past sins, present struggles, and future failures. And he says, I choose to love them. If you don't get that, you're not going to get anything when we move into the next four chapters or the next three chapters of Ephesians. Because the next three chapters go crazy practical, which is why I believe Paul is praying us into them. Paul says in his opening of his letter, Ephesians 1, Hey, friends, you are loved and predestined. And then he prays for them. And then he says, you are saved by grace through faith so that no one can boast. And then he prays for them. Before he even gets to this is how you should live, Paul lays this mountain of God's love. Because now here's the temptation. We're going to flip a page next week. And all of a sudden it's going to be about what we are called to do and how we are called to live. But if you do it out of a motive that's not rooted in the height and depth and breadth and length of God's love, then you will turn into someone who is just grinding out on a spiritual treadmill, running fast and going nowhere. So, now the blessing of this, verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So this prayer is setting us up on how we are to live. I'm going to let you know right out of the gate, if you need the power of God to change the way you're living, start with your posture. Humble yourself before God. Get on your knees before God. If your marriage is broken, get on your knees and pray together and ask God together. If your parenting is broken, get on your knees with your kids and confess to them the sins that you've had against them. Say, I'm so sorry that I've been so angry. I'm so sorry I've been flying off the handle. If you are single and you think, man, all I need is a person to complete me, I'm just going to let you know straight up right now, that worldview is broken. Because a a spouse will complete you about about as well as a blue whale completes a flea. Okay? It's not going to make you feel whole. If you, if you are a broken person, you think, oh, you know what's going to fix me? Another broken person. Just use the human math in that. One shattered, jacked up human. That's me. Maybe I should get another one. And then my life will be so much easier. Anyone experiencing that in marriage that's been married for more than a year? Okay. Because it, it's hard. But it, it is beautiful. Maybe for you, it's your job that's broken. You're like, I just can't stand it. I can't stand going. I can't stand doing it. Maybe it's time to get on your knees in your cubicle. And then, instead of saying, God, I need help to do this spreadsheet, I need help for this meeting, say, God, I need to have a bigger 
picture and grasp of your massive love before I head into this meeting. Because Bill, Frank, Betty, and John are all jerks who are incompetent. Hopefully I didn't choose your name. I was just trying to choose the most random names. That didn't mean you. And bring in God's love into that meeting. Or perhaps you need God's power for freedom to find forgiveness of things that have gone on in your past. This is a huge one in churches. Many people who darken the doors of churches week after week are doing so because of something in their past that they're trying to pay for. And they come each week hoping that this will be the week that finally they can walk out with a little bit less guilt than they walked in with the last week. This is a form of Christian self-lashing. And for some of you, sitting through a church gathering is a spiritual lashing. Like You hate it. Your spouse made you come. Your parents dragged you. You hate it. I get it. But I don't want you to come here and say, maybe now God will love me more. I want you to come in here, and the reason there's a cross up here with like the flimsiest of crown of thorns and their sins plastered still from BBS is that I need you to know that your junk is here. You can walk in and out of here guilt-free, not because of how much you attended, but because of what he attended to for you. You don't have to beat yourself up. He's been beat up. You don't have to kill yourself. He was crushed and killed for you. So here's how you get the power of God in any situation. God, I need help. I can't get over this thing that's done in my past. I need help. What do I do? Okay, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to get on my knees. God, help me understand how much you love me in the midst of that thing, how much you love me now. How much did he love you? Go to the cross. Think of Jesus. What did Jesus do to free you from what happened? Maybe it's something you're in the middle of, struggling with. Bring that sin right to the foot of the cross and say, God, I need your power I need the the amount that you love me to expel this out. Right now, I've got these um, cockroaches. I think in Florida, you guys gave them a cute name so it doesn't sound disgusting. You call them palmetto bugs. They fly. They're the spawn of Satan. Okay? So I've got these traps everywhere. I, I do the barrier in my house, like on the windows, doors, put traps all outside strategically. When I see them, I crush them with a mighty blow. Uh, only two of us in the family pick them up. I'm not going to, you can guess which two. But, but with these roaches, it, it's interesting because we all know how roaches work, right? They're crawling around in the dark when you don't see them. You shine a little light on them, they run away. So, so it, you can either get a little laser beam because that's a light, and you can walk around in the dark with a laser beam. And this is what some of you are doing. Your picture of Jesus is so small. Your concept of his love is so small. It's only going to light up the tiniest little dot in your roach-infested life. You're looking around. Yeah, they don't really run from that unless you really zap one good. You can get a little flashlight, a little double-A battery. Wherever you're shining it, maybe the roaches will run. Maybe they'll just laugh at your piddly Walmart flashlight. What do you have to do? You've got to turn on all the lights. You've got to stop playing games of maybe if I get this self-help book, it'll help me get a little bit more self-control. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm the most self-controlled over the last three weeks than I've been in the last five years. And it wasn't because I read some manual. Although, I love me some Tony Robbins. It wasn't because I went to the self-help section. It was because 
God in his sovereign love for me and his sovereign love can be for you, I believe, has destroyed things around me, things that I used to cling to for security. And now the safety bars are gone, the safety bars I always clung to, my flashlights. And God said, You're, you've been grabbing onto the wrong thing. Grab on to me. And the picture of God's love for me has grown and grown and grown as I've had to lean on God through difficult times. Get your posture right. Build your image of how loving God is to you. If you don't do this, read one of the Gospels every month, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. If you don't even read the Bible, you can listen to it in two hours, one of those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And if that's all that you do, I'll be pumped for that. I mean, I'd love for you to read the whole Bible, but if I had to pick, if you're like, I hate reading, but I commute, I would say commute to one of those four books every day of your life and let God's love seep into you so that you will understand it, so that you can begin to have the power of God over sin, the power of God over all of these broken areas. Now, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do something a little different. <laughs> I'm so excited. Father, we need your love to change us, to grip us. We need your love to shine a light on the dark reaches of our lives so sin and brokenness will flee. Lord, help us not to manage our lives spiritually with little laser pointers or dim flashlights. Help us to get into your word and into community in such a way that your light bleeds into every dark crevice. And help us to cling to you above all. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a couple of things. Um, and this is like, I love this service. It feels so on the fly. But I saw the burgers walk in. So, hey, burgers. Everyone wave at the burgers. Wave at the burgers. We're going to pray for the burgers right now. So if you know the burgers, can you just cruise up and go behind them, go near them and just lay your hands on them as we pray? Because Steve is in our military. He's about to go be deployed to Kuwait. So if you know the burgers, I'd love to have you lay your hands on them and pray for them. We're going to pray for his deployment because deployment is difficult. It's difficult for the person being deployed. It's difficult for the children and the spouses. And as we talked about with Anthony up here, it takes a tribe. So if you would join me in prayer for the burgers, we will do that. And then you can uh, feel free to pray for him and connect afterward if you'd like to. And then we're going to get into the next thing. Father, I thank you for the burger family. Lord, send your spirit mightily with Steve. Help him to be a beacon of light and love on the base where he's going to be serving. Be with Kirsten and the kids. Help them, God, to be sustained by your presence and help us as a church family to rally and to love and to play date and to bring meals and share cups of coffee with them. Lord, protect Steve as he goes on his travels. Give him wisdom and grace and insight and charity to love in radical ways that only he can. In Jesus' name, we pray for them. Amen. Next thing, uh, Edwin's not coming up for the offering today because I was standing in the back during the songs and I said, uh, Edwin, it would be so cool if we didn't do an offering today. And Edwin, if you don't know, is our money guy. So I thought this would like freak him out. But since I was at the chapel when I came here, we were like in financial distress after financial distress after financial distress. Like every other week was like a crisis mode. Like what's getting paid, what's not. 
for the first time, there's just a little bit of money in savings, not really not enough, like enough to maybe go one week. So if you've already given, thank you, we appreciate that. If, you already, if you're set in your mind and you want to give to us, I'm a pastor, we never turn down money. But if you have not yet, and if you're like, okay, I've got my, give, my gift, here's what I want you to do this week. Whether it's $20, and I don't want you to up it or down it. I want you to feel the weight of what your money does. Whatever your gift was planned to be, if you have a check form, cash, whatever, I want you to keep it in your pocket. I want you to go out this week, and I want you to go love somebody with that gift. Pray about how to do it. It doesn't mean that you just say, well, I was going to give $20,000 to the chapel, but now I'm just going to give $20,000 to such and such. It could mean that. It could mean something more creative. It could mean that there's a single mom struggling to get by, and you know that they're behind. It could mean that, that there's kids that need to have some medical bills that didn't get paid. It could mean any of these things. It could be somebody at your work or that works for you or that you work for, and you just want to, to bring a glimpse of God's love to them. I want you to take your tithing check and cash and go do something radical and amazing for Jesus this week. I think we'll still pay the bills. I'm okay with this. And I want you to be able to begin to see what this love can do to your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do it for those of you who have maybe never thought about it. So do that. I'm, I don't even have to pray over the offering. Here's the last thing that we're going, I'm going to point out to you guys. Bobby Brown? Bobby Brown? Oh, there you are right there, front and center. You're not Bobby Brown. Not Whitney Houston's Bobby Brown. Everyone say hi, Bobby. Bobby Brown is planting a church at Newsom High School in October. I didn't even tell him we were doing this today, but I said, next time you come, I'm going to announce you and have the Chapel family pray and meet you. Uh, we need more churches in Florida. Some of you are like, no, we don't. Yes, we do. We need more churches that get along with each other and play nice together. Because if there was a massive revival of God in this city, Lithia, this area, Lithia, Riverview, Brandon area, we would not have enough seats and services to house nearly any of the population if people wanted to come to church gatherings. We need more churches that are going to lead people to Jesus, that are going to be innovative. So please pray for Bobby Brown. Pray, and it's, it's so easy to remember. Pray, just, just jam to Whitney and pray for Bobby. Pray for Next Level Church as they, their launch meetings have begun at the Palmetto Club on Thursday evenings. If you are like, I want to see how a church gets started, Go see how a church gets started. If you like their church better than this church gathering, I am okay with that because guess what? We need more churches. We need more people who are passionate about reaching people. So whatever you are being called to do with your tithe check, whatever you're being called to do with gathering with churches for the purpose of bringing glory to Jesus, go and do that. And just let me know, hey, Pastor Ryan, I've been tired of your sermons. I'm going to this church. Would you pray for me? I'm like, yes, I'll pray for you. Lord, take them away from me. And we'll go, and we'll see God move. Sound like a plan? Okay, so since there's no offering, uh, like I said, if you feel compelled to offer, there's baskets in the, in the boxes in the back. But if you have it in your pocket still, if it's a check, rip it up, go out, do something wild for Jesus. Let's stand. I'll bless you. We'll go. I'm gonna, we're going to bless you with this blessing right here. This is Paul's blessing over you. I'm going to read it out of the ESV. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus 
throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you.